Bada bing, bada bing. Welcome to this Ooh, week's. That one's a little weird. <laughs> okay, go again. Bada bing, bada bam. No. Bada bing, bada bam. Bada bing, bada bam. Bada bing, bada bam. Welcome to this week's Bacon a Mystery episode. I'm your host, Stephanie Sue, and let's jump right into it. Today we're talking about a book called One of Us is Lying by Karen McManus. I believe that's how you pronounce her last name. Um, This was turned into a show that you can actually stream on Peacock. I will be honest with you, I haven't watched the show yet. I've only read the book, so we're talking about the book today. This has been a highly requested book. It is considered of the YA genre, a thriller, but I am What's YA? Um, like a more of like a young. So it's not gonna feel this all takes place in the detention room of a high school, okay? I haven't been in like a high school classroom in close to a decade, but here we are just talking about it. So let's get started. If you guys are watching the visuals here on YouTube at Miss Mango Butt, uh, I am making some banana and marshmallow toast. As you can tell, the more intense the subject, the more intense the story, the more plain the food is. <laughs> I am trying to make these a weekly thing. So, you know, let's just Appreciate the bimbo bread. It's literally called bimbo bread. So I'm gonna take out a couple pieces of this bread while I introduce you to the five kids in detention. So it all starts in the detention classroom at Bayview High School. Now this is a Monday and uh, there's five students in there. The chemistry teacher had decided that he was going to check every single backpack of every single student and whoever had their phone in class just in their backpack, detention detention. So five of them end up there and one of them just kind of sticks out like a sore thumb. One of them, you're like, wait a minute, why did this person get a t detention? Have you ever even been in detention? That's what you want to say to them. So let me introduce you to the cast of characters. First, we have Mr. Nate. Now, this kid is bad. He's a detention, his, yes. His name is Mr. Nate? No, his name is Nate, okay? okay. His name is Nate and uh, this kid, he... <laughs> He's bad to the bone. It's alleged that he has a DUI already. He's just in high school. It's alleged that he's the Bayview drug dealer. Like this guy knows detention. Like he knows the back of his hand. He's there nonstop. He's probably in detention more than he is in his regular classes. But he's also really hot because of course he is. Because who's not hot in high school according to books and movies? So we've got hot Nate, the bad boy. Then we have a girl named Addie. Now Addie is your stereotypical popular blonde. I don't know if she's a cheerleader, but it kind of feels like she's gonna be a cheerleader. She's dating the football like captain. His name is Jake. They're like the school it couple. She got prom princess. Not the prom queen, but the prom princess. We'll get into that whole thing with Addie later. She usually doesn't go to detention either. Like she usually gets good grades, but she's end up there because she had her phone in class. Then we have a Cooper Clay. Now this is your stereotypical jock. He's actually best friends with Jake, which is Addie's boyfriend, but Addie and Cooper aren't that close. This guy is gonna be part of the MLB. Do you guys know what that is? I didn't either. No, I'm kidding. Major League Baseball. He bats like a pro. He's just built. He's muscular. He's lean. He's got this southern accent. He's the type of guy that not only is he a jock, but he's very, very sociable. He's not like a douche. I would say Addie's boyfriend, Jake, is more of like that football stereotypical high school douche, whereas Cooper minds his own business, stays in his own lane. He's also dating one of the hottest girls in school. Like he's just doing his own damn thing and it's going really well. Even in detention, um, they, 
the detention teacher was like, you guys need to write an essay about why technology is going to be the death of all of us. And he decided that he was going to write with his right hand. Now, the thing is, Cooper is left-handed, but his dad had always told him, whatever you're doing with that left hand, you save it for baseball. Whatever you're doing at school, do it with your right hand. Use your left hand for what really matters, baseball. No. So he's forcing himself <laughs> to write with his right hand. Is that not insane? Can I people do that? Like have just kind of use both hands? I think some people can be. Maybe it's a learned trait. Yeah. I feel like it's easier if you're left-handed, no? Because mean, so easier? many things in the world are made to be right-handed. So maybe you have a little bit extra practice with your right hand being used. Does that make sense? Like the gear shift is on the right side of the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does that? Yeah. So yeah. maybe left-handed people are better at being, what do you call it? Ampidextrous. There's a word for it. It slips my mind. I need to go to detention. I need to go back to high school. So he's literally one of those jocks. Then we have Simon Kelleher. Um, Simon is... He's Gossip Girl. So he literally owns an app called About That, but I'm just going to call it Gossip Girl because this feels like a Gossip Girl fanfic at some points. But he created this app where he would just literally spy on all of the high school students. Everybody knows that Simon is Gossip Girl. They're terrified of Simon because he's Gossip Girl, but all of his info, all of his leaked secrets, they're true. He never lies. He always has the best sources. He finds out every high school student's deepest, darkest secrets, and he always posts about it. Now, sure, he only uses initials, but I mean, it's pretty clear who he's talking about. Context clues, right? So he ends up in detention. Now, he's not a detention regular, so this is going to be interesting. Then we have Brownin. Now, Brownin is the overachiever. She's the sore thumb in all of this. Her dad went to Yale. Her mom went to Yale. Her grandpa went to Yale. Her whole family has been to Yale. Her cousins, her uncles, her nieces everybody's going to Yale, okay? It's absolutely insane. She's a straight-A student. She's going to be valedictorian of the class. She has never, she's never even gotten detention in her life until this day. So why the hell is Brownin in detention? None of it makes sense. Brownin is in detention for the same exact reason that Addie and technically the rest of the kids are in detention because Mr. Avery found phones in their backpacks in chem class. Now, let me give you the lowdown on Mr. Avery. He hates technology, like he hates it so much. He hates it so much to the point where he wants you to open up your backpack and he spends five to 10 minutes in the beginning of every class searching inside your backpack to see if you brought a phone. Not even if you're using the phone in class. You have to keep the phone in your locker. So he notices that a bunch of kids have phones in their backpacks. And he's most disappointed in Brown, and of course, because it's like, what the heck? You're supposed to be my A student. And so she stands up and she says, sir, I am wrongfully accused. That is not my phone in my backpack. I don't know how that phone got there, but I can assure you that is not my phone because this is my phone. And she pulls out her phone from her pocket. What is it? Double detention? <laughs> Double detention. You're digging your own grave, girl, okay? But that's just how transparent she is. And then Addie chimes in and Addie's like, that's not my phone either. Like, I don't know where, that. I know that's not my phone. Are you kidding me? I wouldn't even have a screensaver like that. That's like not my phone. Cooper also says, wait, that's not my phone either. Like, that's literally not my phone in my backpack. Even Simon stand, uh, stands up and is like, someone's framing us because those are not my phones either. Like, I would know. That's not my phone. And I don't think these people would have phones in their backpack. Like, you'd be an idiot to not leave it in your locker, right? So they're just so confused. The only one who genuinely had a phone was Nate, bad boy Nate. Now, Mr. Avery is not believing this whole conspiracy. You're telling me. 
You're telling me someone cares so much about you guys getting detention that they snuck phones. They went out and bought phones. Put it in your backpack. For what? For literally what? This is like the worst joke ever. And all the students are like, no, you have to believe us. That's not our phone. I don't care. Detention, after school, in this class, I want you guys to write a 400-page essay about why technology is ruining the future. 400 pages? Or 400 words. <laughs> I don't care. You're going to detention after class. Meet me in my classroom. Now, Brownin is sitting there kind of groaning. She's really upset about this. She's like, is this going to be on my record? And he says, speaking of Brownin, hand me your other phone. And she asks him, Mr. Avery, doesn't it give you a little bit of pause that you're confiscating two phones? Who in this world has two phones as a high schooler? It just doesn't make sense. Now, Mr. Avery thought about it for a second, but uh, he didn't really care. He genuinely hates, he hates, <laughs> he hates technology that much. So uh, he just takes both of her phones and says, see you guys after class. I'm coating this piece of bread with butter, and then I will be coating it with egg. So the kids are sitting around in detention. Fast forward, all five kids are in detention. They're writing that 400 <laughs> word essay, okay? So Simon is complaining the whole time. I left, I don't know where my water bottle is. Like, Mr. Avery, I need water. Can I please go look for my water bottle? I think I left it in my last class. Like, please. And Mr. Avery's like, no, this is detention. This is not a free period. You don't get to just go around looking for stuff. There's cups at the back and you can drink tap water from the sink. So Simon groans and he walks over over to the back and he starts filling a cup with tap water and it just looks gunky, right? Now that's when they hear a boom. And all the kids drop their pencils and they, they look around and Simon is looking out the window and he says, oh my God, who the hell gets into a car accident in the school parking lot? So all the kids jump up and they look out the window and sure enough, a red Camaro had been completely T-boned by another car. Like the whole car accident is just bizarre because it's not even like a little slight fender bender. It was like a full on 90 degree car accident. So they're looking out the window and Mr. Avery is sighing and he's like, okay, well, I guess I should go make sure nobody's hurt. Um, he looks around and he's scanning the room at the students and he says, Brownin, you're in charge. Make sure nobody goes in and out of this room while I'm gone. Keep writing the essays. Don't you guys dare pick out your phones. Now I'm going to go in and coat the bananas with more butter and then coat it with sugar. More. Oh, oh yeah. Sprinkle that. So now that they're alone and unsupervised, Simon grabs his little cup of water and he heads to the front of the class and he says, attention, attention class, look at us. We look like a stereotypical high school movie, don't we? We've got Addie, prom princess, little princess over there. We've got Cooper, the jock. Brownin, you're the brain. Nate, you're the criminal. I mean, straight up, this is a high school movie stereotypes. And I? I'm the omniscient narrator. Brandon says, what? That doesn't even exist in high school movies. Oh, but it does in real life. Now, nobody was gonna argue with this guy because Simon is honestly terrifying. Like every single kid in that class was terrified of him. Most of them really never had articles written about them, thank God, but Simon is known for destroying relationships, destroying friendships, literally canceling people. This is like the scariest person in the high school. So they all just kind of go along with it. And he says, everybody get some water and we'll cheers a toast to this high school movie. And he grabs his cup of water and he takes one full sip, like he downs the whole thing, 
and then he drops his cup, and then he bonks onto the ground, and he starts wheezing. And everyone starts panicking. Brownon is the first one to jump up and by his side. And she's like, what's going on? Simon, Simon, look at me. Are you okay, right? And she's like, I need to go call 911. But her phones are locked up. So she rushes to the next teacher's room. And she's like, we got to call 911. The rest of the students are freaking out. They don't know what to do. They just know that Simon looks like he's choking. His eyes are bulging out of his face. His, li his lips are turning blue. And Nate is the first one to say, get his EpiPen. Get his EpiPen. He's having an allergic reaction. So they're rifling through Simon things and they don't find the EpiPen. All they find are regular pens. At this point, Brownon rushes into the classroom with a bunch of other teachers, including Mr. Avery, and they all try to assist Simon. They've already called the ambulance. They're on their way, but what can they do? I mean, it's a matter of life and death. So that's when Mr. Avery says, okay, you need to run to the, to the nurse's office and go look for EpiPens. They should just be right at the door. So she runs all the way to the nurse's office, slams open the door. Nobody's in there, but the little container that it says EpiPens is completely empty. Another teacher rushes in and is like, did you find the EpiPens? They're, the, the jar is empty. Do you know if they keep a backup? So they start rifling through the nurse's drawers. They find no EpiPen. But what does kind of at least alleviate some of their anxiety is that they hear the police sirens in the back getting closer and closer to the school. By the time that Brownon and the teacher makes it back to the classroom, the ambulance, the paramedics, they're taking Simon out on a stretcher and the kids are sobbing. They're bawling. This is like the most traumatic thing that has ever happened to them. So Mr. Avery tells them, take your phones and go home. Like, I don't think we're going to finish detention. Let's just figure this out. So Mr. Avery is about to dismiss them, but right as they're about to walk out, he says, wait, are you sure he just took a big sip of his water and then he passed out? Yes, that's exactly what happened. But you guys didn't see him eat anything when I was out, right? Did he ever eat anything? I mean, the kid has a peanut allergy, but if it was just water, I mean, are you sure he didn't eat anything? Yeah, we're sure. Oh, maybe it's something he had in his lunch. I mean, there has been reports that there are delayed reactions, and maybe this was, maybe, why don't we just keep this cup, though, to the side? I, maybe someone wants to look at it, just in case. Anyways, have a good day, kids. Now the kids leave. Um, Addie was hysterical. She calls her boyfriend. Jake picks her up and is about to take her home. And this is kind of when we get like the inner look, the inner workings of these kids' life. Addie, she's that popular blonde girl, right? But her home life is not that great. Her mom is wild. Her mom cares nothing about her well-being. Her mom cares nothing about the fact that this is my daughter. She just wants her daughter to marry rich. That is what she keeps telling her. She always forced Addie into doing all of these weird beauty pageants ever since she was young and she was always runner-up never first place always second place and her mom would tell her it's not great but it's good enough to keep a man who will take care of you for the rest of your life she would always get prom princess, not prom queen. So her mom would just force her into all of these things, and it was really miserable. So when she and Jake come home, her mom doesn't even care about what happened to Simon. In fact, she's too busy making out with her new boyfriend. Now, Addie says this about her new boyfriend. Justin, his name is Justin. Justin is 12 years younger than my mom, five years younger than her second husband, and 15 years younger than my dad. At this rate, she will be dating Jake next. Like, it's just, that's what her mom's be doing, okay? Her mom also took her to get birth control and told her straight up, you don't want to say no too much. Because if you keep saying no, there's going to be a girl that will say yes. And you don't want to lose a guy. 
kind of mom is this? So this is their home life. And then on the other side, we have Nate and Brownen, who are still at school. And uh, Brownen confesses to Nate, I don't have a ride home. Like, I did not think that I was going to get detention. So maybe I'll call an Uber or something. And he's like, why? I can just take you home. Hop on. And he's got this motorcycle. And she's like, that? Do you know how many different ways you can die on a motorcycle? I'm not getting on a death machine. No, thank you. At least not with you. And he grabs a flask out of his jacket and he says, suit yourself. And he starts taking a sip and she's like, are you insane? Are you drinking before you get on that? You're going to die. What's wrong with you? What the hell? And she grabs the flask and she takes a big sip. What? Because she's just so shocked, I guess, from what happened in there. So she's literally leaned up against the building, sitting down like, can you believe what just happened? And he's like, yeah, it's crazy. And she says, I forgot to say sorry, by the way. For what? When your mom, when she died, I obviously I wanted to say sorry because my uncle had died recently from a car accident too. So I felt like I knew what you were going through, but, but we weren't talking. It's fine. Sorry about your uncle. So Nate's mom died in a car accident. Mm -hmm. Her uncle died. So this is implying that at one point, maybe they used to be friends, Mm -hmm. but they no longer were talking. So this is weird because, I mean, you would never expect Nate the criminal to be best friends with Brown and the Yale girl, right? Mm -hmm. And he says, it's fine. Like, don't worry about it. But the ambulance came pretty fast today, huh? And he just kind of changes the subject. And he says, well, the offer's still up. Do you want to ride home? She says, sure. So she hops on and the book goes into in-depth detail about how Brownin's thighs look in her dress on the bike. Now, I just want to mention she's 17, but don't worry. She's going to be 18 soon in the book. So once she turns 18, it's free game for her thighs. I say with disgust, okay? I'm not really meaning that. But like, there is a lot of information about her thighs in this book. But I get it. Like, you know, I'm sure it's like high schoolers reading this, right? Anyway, so he's looking at her thighs. He's so excited. He only has one helmet, so he gives it to her. And uh, she hops onto the back. And like every cliche movie, she's holding on super tight to him. She won't even open her eyes. And she tells him, please go slow. Now, he wanted to go extra fast just to piss her off because ever since Nate was young, so they're old childhood friends. Like, they were friends until the fifth grade. Um, Mainly because in the fifth grade, Nate's parents couldn't afford to send him to the middle school that Brownon was going to. So they met up in high school. But at this point, their paths had diverged so much, right, that they're not really clicking again. So um, he just always loved annoying Brownon. Like, that was his thing until the fifth grade. So he was thinking about going super fast, but... He couldn't help it. He just went super slow. And he dropped her off in front of her house, which is this massive gray Victorian mansion with just a complex garden in the front with fancy cars in the driveway. And Nate can't help but compare his dinged up bike, his motorcycle, sure, that he loves. But I mean, this is a completely different world. Here we are. They're toasted. Let's give it a try before we get into the juicy parts of the story, okay? This marshmallow one, I put two raspberries on top. Why is it the cutest thing in the world? It looks really good. Okay, I'm gonna go in for the toasted part of the marshmallows. I might have to just... No, you can't do that. You gotta eat it together. Hold on. Honey? It's just marshmallow. Why do we not toast marshmallows in the air fryer? Is it not the same thing? Mm-mm. Okay. Let me try one. 
Oh my god. It seems crunchy. It's so fluffy. Yet so crunchy. Okay. <laughs> what the heck? Is it is this a good one? Oh my god. Let me try the banana. Listen, I'm not a fan of bananas as much, like on toast. I love banana toast. Is it good? Listen, nothing beats this marshmallow. Air fried marshmallow? I've never in my life. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Literally downing that s'mores toast over there. Ooh, oh my gosh, with some chocolate? With some chocolate would have been amazing. I think it's sweet enough. Bread, Nutella, marshmallows, okay. air fry. Perfection. Are you freaking kidding me? That would be the dream. So anyways, Nate gets to Brownon's place and he sees the Victorian mansion and he's looking at his bike and he's feeling some type of way. But before he can even do anything about it, she gets a phone call. Hello? Did you? Oh God, are you sure? Yeah. And she drops her backpack to the ground and she looks up at Nate and said, Simon, he, he's gone. What? He's dead. The next day at school, every single teacher in their homeroom class is reading a letter that has been school administrator approved, which is just saying, Simon Keller, one of our students, one of your classmates, has died of an allergic reaction last night. He was rushed to the hospital. The ambulances came very quickly, but it wasn't enough to save his life. There will be counseling available to any student who requests it, but counseling will be mandatory for the people directly impacted. So I'm talking Simon's closest friends, Simon's teacher, as well as the people in the detention room with him. Mm -hmm. And those are mandatory. They've already scheduled these counseling sessions. Now, this is the last thing that Brownon wanted. She absolutely, the whole night last night, she was fighting with her mom about how she didn't need professional help. So she's like, God, now what? And in the hallways, onto her counseling session, she runs into Nate and she's with her friends. Now, Brownon's friends are like Brownon 2.0. They're really smart cookies. All they do is study. All they care about is studying. And they're not the popular kids, but they're the smartest kids. Like they're the future Ivy League kids. So they just don't really like Nate. I mean, of course, why would they? I mean, he's a criminal. He's an alleged drug dealer. He doesn't even show up to class on time, let alone show up in general. I mean, they just think that he's wasting his life away. So they're shocked when Brownon proceeds to have a full-blown conversation with him and it's almost like she can't even take her eyes off of him. They're glued on to Nate. And when they're done talking, she walks away and her friends are like, ew, what was that? I mean, he looked like he just rolled out of bed. Disgusting much? Oh, did you go home with him last night? Did he drop you off? I hope you doused yourself in Lysol after you got off his bike. Disgusting. He's Whoa. such a whore. So they're being really mean. Point is, they don't like the kid. So she runs into the counseling office and that's when Brownon kind of gives you an inner monologue of how she feels so at home in the counseling office. She hates counseling, don't get me wrong, but she loves the high school counselors because those are the people that you go to to work on your college apps. So she's been there in and out. She's been working intimately with these counselors and she just loves the idea of going to Yale. Everybody's gone to Yale. His, her grandpa was a professor at Yale. Like this is, there's jokes that the Brownon family wouldn't even exist without Yale because all of them met their significant others in Yale. They all started their businesses with Yale colleagues, with Yale partners. I mean, this is embedded in their family. And if she goes to any other Ivy League that is not Yale, it's not good enough. 
So the guidance counselor comes up to her before her little guidance counseling session with like a professional therapist and he says, hey, speaking of, Brandon, I know that you have a lot going on with the whole Simon thing, but there's a, a bunch of juniors who would love a tutor for chemistry class. And obviously it would go on your, you know, college app. That'd be a nice little extracurricular activity. What do you say? Uh, Kim? Sorry, I think I'm already overcommitted, and she denies. Now, what we find out about this whole exchange is that Brandon really hates chem class. This is the one class that she almost failed. By the time that midterms came around, she had a freaking D. And it's not that she didn't study. She studied every single day, but it's just not one of the classes that she could handle. So obviously, she doesn't want to tutor anyone in chemistry. The only way it started looking up is because somehow she started acing those tests, and she made it through that class. But it was so bad to the point where the the guidance counselor had sat her down and says what about other schools that aren't ivy leagues oh my god so she knew she had to get her shit together she literally almost lost yale because of chem class but some but somehow she got it together yeah so after her guidance counselor which honestly she said was great i mean i don't know she just didn't say much but all of them go back to their regular classes an announcement comes on would nate Cooper, Addie, and Brownin come to the principal's office immediately. So they get up from their classes, they grab their bags, and they meet up at the front desk. Now, when they're there, they're greeted by the principal as well as a, a police officer. Let's call him Officer Hank. And he sits the kids down and he says, listen, we just got the autopsy results and this shouldn't take too long, but we just want to ask you a couple of questions. We found out that Simon died from a large ingestion of peanut oil shortly before that he died. So this is not a delayed reaction. This is ingested shortly before death. Are you guys getting what I'm putting down? His parents thought that this whole thing was strange because he's very careful about the food that he eats and the water that he drinks. Are you guys sure that he only had a cup of water before he died? Yes, we're sure. Well, then that's another problem. We tested the cup and there's large amounts of peanut oil inside the cup. So we can only imagine that there was peanut oil in whatever he drank. So we're trying to figure out how the peanut oil got into his drink. The students are silent. I mean, I don't know. Where did he get the drink from? From the, the tap water of the chemistry class. Okay, and what about the cup? The cup was on the counter. Well, was it upside down? Was it right side up? How was it stacked? It, it was upside down and he grabbed one from the top. Did you guys see any liquid dripping out of it? Was there already any substance inside the cup before he put water in it? Uh, not that we know of. So he just filled it with water and he drank it right away. No, uh, we talked a little bit. He, there was a car accident and Mr. Avery went outside and he was uh, like giving a speech. And then um, remember we were talking about, oh, I wonder why those phones are placed in our backpacks, which speaking of, did you guys look into that? Principal, is that going to be on our record? Because those phones are not our phones. Like they were just snuck into our backpacks. Yes, well, your chem teacher has mentioned it to us. Nobody has picked up the phone since. So obviously, maybe it's not yours. So maybe it would have been a prank, but we just need to know. Do you know if someone slipped something into his drink? Uh, no. Why would we? Well, do you kids have any problems with Simon? We know that he has an app. That, uh, have you guys been on it? And everyone shakes their heads no, except for Nate. And he says, yeah, lots of times. Stupid shit, though. The principal's like, Nate! Mr. Nate! Mind your words, not in front of the police officer. He says, okay, stupid stuff, mostly hooking up and parties. 
Did that bother you, Nate? Did being gossiped about, being talked about bother you? Did you have a problem with Simon? Did he have a problem with you? Um, not really. So, I mean, the other kids honestly didn't even suspect Nate because considering what he's doing with his life and he's like allegedly drug dealing, he's got a DUI, I don't think Simon being like, and then Nate kissed Kelly at the birthday party mm -hmm. is really, you think this guy cares? Yeah. Absolutely not. So he's like, no, not really. But the rest of you, the three of you were never on the app. No, never. But did you worry that one day you might be? Maybe you had something that he just didn't know yet. Maybe you had a feeling that was just hanging over your head so that he was gonna come and get you. No, no he didn't. All right, well, I'll let you guys know if we have any other further questions, but I guess you guys are free to go back to class and the kids are dismissed. Now, we finally get to see Cooper's home life. Um, after school, he's obviously more stressed after talking to this police officer and his dad is not giving him any slack. So he says, Coops, Remember, you got that showcase on Saturday. So a showcase is essentially like a baseball game, but all of the college scouts are gonna be there. They're showcasing any new talent that they might want to recruit, give full scholarships to. So it's a really high tense type of game. And so Cooper's mom is like, Kevin, don't you think in light of everything that's happened, he could have one day off? Nope, the best thing he can do is business as usual. It's not like Cooper laying around and doing nothing is gonna bring the poor guy back, so Coop, Get ready for Saturday. And right at that awkward moment, the doorbell rings and it is Cooper's girlfriend, Keely. I might end up calling her Kelly, I'm sorry, okay? But Keely rushes in. Now this is the hottest girl in class. Like this is the hottest girl in the school. Not only is she hot, but she's honestly so kind. She's also Addie's best friend. So Addie and Keely are best friends. Jake and Cooper are best friends, but they don't like double date. So it's just kind of like their thing, right? Mm -hmm. So she comes in and she sneaks him a pack of red vines, like a Twizzlers or whatever you would call it. Mm. And it's this is not a part of his MLB diet, but that's why Keely loves him, you know? She knows all these things. She's just so good to him. There's just every single guy in that high school is so jealous of Cooper because he's dating Keely. You'd be dumb not to be. So Keely walks in, hands him the candy, and rushes to talk to his parents. Yeah, she even talks to his parents. And in that moment, he opens up a text message. And it says, hey, handsome. And he texts back, hey, can I see you tonight? Okay, miss you. Miss you too. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Let me tell you, 2022 is about to be about quality. I have seen so many videos talking about capsule wardrobes and I looked into it and they said that the reason that you feel like you don't have anything to wear in your closet is because you have way too many trendy pieces and you don't have that staple collection of high quality effortlessly stylish, chic. You need more of those pieces in your life. And I've decided to start building that wardrobe this year with Jenny Kane. You guys know that I've already talked about Jenny Kane multiple times on my other podcasts. I already have so many Jenny Kane shoes. I even have a blanket from Jenny Kane, which I tell you, that blanket is out of this world. The material, it's buttery soft. You guys know how I lounge. I go in on my stuff. It's pristine. And that is what high quality is about. I recently got their cashmere fisherman hoodie which is what i'm wearing right now i'm obsessed with this hoodie you don't know how many different compliments i've gotten literally at the grocery store i've gotten compliments anytime my mom sees me in this and she's like i just don't know what it is about you you look put together my sister was so annoyed that she was pregnant because she was like i would jack that from you right now i hate sweaters that make me itchy but it's like butter this has been my go-to when i have nothing to wear in the closet because i know that i'll look 
good and I'll feel good in it. Trust me, I want this in every single color and you probably do too once you try it on. Go find your forever pieces at JennyKane.com and to get 15% off your first order, make sure to use the promo code BAM at checkout. That's G-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com. Use promo code BAM to get 15% off your first order. Trust me, you want this fisherman hoodie. It's so soft. So after school, Addie knows that she should be doing her homework, but instead she's cuddling with Jake on the on the bed because her mom's not out, and because her mom's out, and all she keeps thinking about is Simon, and she's so worried about it, and she's so stressed out about it, and the police talking to her that she gets a pimple on her forehead. I know it's the end of the world, and she's cuddling Jake, and she's tracing out the outline of his biceps with her finger, and she can't help but think, wow, Jake is not as ripped as Cooper. It seems like she's being pushed to Cooper since they shared like that very crazy traumatic event in their lives, and she just notices. The guy's not as muscular. How disappointing, right? What in the world? <laughs> and uh, Jake says, by the way, Simon's mom called. She, she, she called you? Yeah, she wanted to know if I could be like a pallbearer for the funeral. Oh. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, wow. Well, I mean, I guess, of course, you have to. Addie had almost forgotten that Jake and Simon used to be best friends before high school. They were best friends all throughout middle school, but then in high school, you know, Jake became, he had a glow up. He became ripped and muscular, and he, he has a really good talent for football, so he immediately started hanging out with other athletes, and Cooper's his best friend, another guy, TJ, but... Simon was just kind of the weird kid in high school. Addie almost thought that he made that app, Gossip Girl, just so Jake would pay him some attention. It's almost like he was upset that Jake was moving on to bigger and better things, so he had to try to one-up him. And at first, the app was really for good causes. He would expose people who were sexually harassing girls. He would expose, you know, other teenagers who might have essayed girls at parties, but then eventually he realized that nobody wants a hero. Nobody wants to read about all of these things. They want to read petty, cheating drama. Mm -hmm. So he started focusing on that. And, you know, at that point, everybody hated Simon. Nobody respected him, but they were terrified of him. And that was just kind of enough for him. So people would always complain to Jake, I can't believe you were friends with that kid in middle school. What's wrong with you? But even then, Jake would stand up for him and say, listen, just don't do shady and you won't end up on his site. Like, what's the big deal? So that's where we leave Addie's. And then we fast forward to Nate's house. This is our first time seeing Nate's house. And yeah, it is the opposite of Brandon's place. It's like this run down. The grass is yellow on the lawn and it's up to your knees. No one's trimming the lawn. The, the paint is peeling from inside the house. The door doesn't even have a lock anymore, the front door. But nobody thinks that there's valuables in this house, so nobody goes robbing it. When he walks in, his dad is passed out on the sofa with a bottle of alcohol in his hand. He's been like that. So Nate's dad used to be a functioning alcoholic, I guess. He had a job doing roofing for a construction business, and then he fell off the ladder. He got workers' comp. Now he's on state disability, and he spends almost every penny of it on alcohol. So that's why Nate sells drugs. Because somebody's got to pay the mortgage, and that's pretty much all he knows how to do. Nate's mom um, also left the family She, when he was 14. She was dealing with a lot of mental issues. She, His earliest memory of his mom was when she was washing dishes, and she had dropped a plate. So it shattered, which is, you know, I mean, yeah, it sucks, it's horrible, but... She got really depressed from it. She sat down and cried with the plates and then proceeded to open the windows and grab every single possession that they had and throw it out the window. So she wow. kind of had these episodes. 
So at first things were okay, but then she traded in her meds for cocaine, and then she fell in with the wrong group of people, and she would just leave for weeks at a time. And then one time she came back when he was like 14 and was like, "Listen, you need to come to Oregon with me. I live in this commune. It's amazing. Oregon is amazing. It's so much better than this place. Like we could we could have so much fun in Oregon. Pack your bags. I'll pick you up tonight." So he rushes in and he packs his bags, and he's waiting at the front door for his mom, and he ends up waiting the whole night. And she never shows, and that's the last time he talked to his mom. So he's making some Chinese food, and、uh, his dad still passed out when he gets a ding. It's from one of his casual hookups. You know, Nate is like a bad boy. He be hooking up a lot, and he also is like one of those unavailable, emotionally unavailable boys where he just—he's like, oh god, I can't hook up with her twice in one week. Then she's gonna get clingy, and it's just no strings attached. And he's thinking about it, but he does need a distraction from all of this. It's kind of cringe, but it's just in there, okay? Nate is hot boy. Anyway, right as he's about to put his phone down, another ding comes in from one of his good friends and says, "Have you read this Tumblr post that's been circulating?" So he clicks the link, and the post says, it, "It's like written in first person, and it says, 'I got the idea of killing Simon while watching Dateline.'" I've been thinking about it for a while. Obviously, it's not the thing that you just pull out of thin air, but. It's a part of not getting caught that kept getting to me. I needed to make sure that I didn't get caught. I don't kid myself. I'm not a hardcore criminal, but I'm too good-looking for prison. On the show, a guy killed his wife. Once the police started investigating, they realized that a lot of people wanted the wife dead. A coworker hated her. She screwed people left and right. She was cheating on her husband, and so it took the police forever to catch him. I mean, at the end, they did catch him, but he wasn't that smart, was he? Simon is the kind of person that you get away with killing, the kind of person that everybody wants dead. Let's face it, everybody at Bayview hated Simon. I was the only one with enough guts to do something about it. So you're welcome, Bayview. And that's how the Tumblr post ends. So Nate starts panicking and he texts his friend like, "Where the hell did you get this?" And he's like, "I don't know. It's freaking circulating. Like, you think it's a joke, or do you think this is Simon's killer? What's going on?" So the next day, the four detention students are back in school, and honestly, they're being side-eyed because whoever wrote this article, it sounds like they must have been in detention. It just doesn't make sense. How did someone kill him without being in the room with him? And on top of that, even the police are investigating them. So now everybody thinks one of these four is a murderer, and guess who's getting the brunt of this? Nate, because he's a criminal.、Ah. So of course, everybody thinks Nate killed Simon. But the question is, why? Did Nate really care that much that Simon was airing out his dirty hookups? Because it doesn't seem like it. So a lot of the kids were really confused about this. Brownin was confused. She went home and she started telling her little sister Maeve about it. Now Maeve is not going to be a Yale student. Maeve, when she was seven, she was diagnosed with leukemia. She almost died. Literally, so many times she finally was, you know, healthy again when she was 14 years old. So she never really acclimated back into that school life. But it's fine. Brownin gets the awards. She gets the grades. She gets into Yale, and thankfully, the parents just focus on that, and everybody gives Maeve some slack. So even Maeve is kind of thankful for her sister. Like you're putting up with the brunt of all this pressure,、mm-hmm. and I get to relax a bit. So she's talking to Maeve when the doorbell rings, and it's Nate. Nate has come to see Brownin. So this is when a little little high school love starts to bloom. Nate doesn't even know why he went over there that day. All he knows is he was sitting. In his house, and he was looking at the painkillers that he was selling, and he thought about taking one, because there was just a lot of stress in his life. I mean, it seems like they're being investigated for murder, 
but he couldn't because then he would just pass out next to his dad and then really nobody would pay the mortgage. Nothing would get done. He would just waste his life away. He would just get addicted. He knew it. Nate has a very addicted personality. So somehow he went on his bike and he wasn't really thinking about where to go, but he ended up at Brownin's. Now, thankfully, her parents weren't home. So she welcomes in and, and Maeve, she's like a, she's a wing woman. So Maeve is like, oh, hey, we're just studying. And he walks in and he's like, oh, you guys play the piano? Brownin plays the piano. She's really good at the piano. Brownin, you should play the piano for him. It's awkward silence. So Brownin goes, okay, I guess I'll play the piano. And she gets on and she starts playing. Now, we just get Nate's POV when he's going back home, but he says that he's not even really sure why he got to Brownin's that day, but he's glad that he did because when she was playing the piano, it was like the only moment in his life recently that he felt like a kid, like peaceful. Meanwhile, at Addie's house, the police stop by. Officer Hank is knocking on the door and Addie's confused. Okay, she's really stressed. She's unraveling, honestly. And he says, can I ask you a couple more questions? And of course, Addie's mom is immediately flirting with Officer Hank. What so we've got world? that going on, right? It's giving me a little bit like Pretty Little Liars vibes. So Addie sits down with the officer and he says, we just want to ask a couple questions about Monday. Uh, sure. Were you at the nurse's office on Monday? The day that Simon died. Uh... No. What? You were though. It's in the nurse's log. I, I, I don't remember. You don't remember going to the nurse's office that day? Well, I go a lot for headaches and stuff and... Oh, right. I, I was probably on my period. So I went in to get some Tylenol. So you just got Tylenol. That's it. Uh, yeah. Why does that matter? Well... One of the things that we're looking into is why the nurse's office had no EpiPens. A lot of students reported seeing the EpiPen jar full of EpiPens before in the morning, and then by afternoon, it was gone. So we just wanted to see who was in the nurse's office. Maybe they had seen something. Maybe you had seen. Did you see some EpiPens when you were in there or no? Um, I don't even know what an EpiPen looks like. So with that, the officer says, okay, well, we just wanted to see. It says that you were in the nurse's office at 1 p.m., so we just wanted to see if the EpiPens were in the nurse's office at that time. And this is when Addie's sister, Addie's mom is there, and she's too busy giving googly eyes at Officer Hank that she doesn't even protect her child. So Addie's sister steps up and says, excuse me, are you accusing my sister of taking the EpiPens? Because you can get the hell out of our house then. And so he gets dismissed. Uh... Addie's sister's husband is an attorney, so she kind of knows this stuff, right? So she's like, get the hell out of our house. So Officer Hank leaves. And soon after, Jake comes to pick up Addie to go to the beach. She opens the door. She's been spending all her day putting on makeup. That, that pimple on the forehead is not going to cover itself, you know? And she got to get the beachy waves before you go to the beach. You think you get beachy waves at the beach? No, you get tangled hair at the beach. So she's getting her little beachy waves done, and she opens the door, and... Right behind Jake is TJ. She hates TJ. And he's like, hey, sorry. Uh, I, I, my car broke down. I told Jake that I didn't want to go to the beach, but he said that he'd pick me up anyway. So I guess I'm bumming a ride with you guys. That's fine. And she's like, okay, well, I guess I'm ready to go. And Jake says, but you're wearing that? So she was wearing very like bundled up clothes. And Addie even says that Jake doesn't like it when she wears shapeless clothing. And she says, yeah, because it's really cold outside and it's going to be freezing at the beach. I'll keep you warm. It's fine. Can you go put on something cuter? We're meeting a lot of people at the beach. What? And so she says, okay. 
And she goes back upstairs, and her sister is looking at her just with shakes of disapproval. Addie, you're going to be so cold at the beach. Are you seriously wearing that to the beach? Yeah, it's fine. She even wore heels to the beach because Jake likes <laughs> when she wears heels. So she's sitting in that car ride, a little chilly already, and uh, the whole time she's miserable. She freaking hates TJ. She hates listening to the two of them talk. They're best friends, but she tries to avoid TJ at all costs. Every time TJ even mentions that, oh, I like that song. What's that song? Turn it up. She's like, God, now I have to freaking hate this song. She hated everything about TJ, but most of all, she hated that she had sex with TJ one month after she had sex with Jake for the first time. What? So she, she's the cheater. So TJ told her, it doesn't have to be awkward, Addie. Like, forget it. It's nothing. I'm not thinking about it. You're not thinking about it. I'm not going to tell Jake if you aren't. So please, like, we can still be cordial. And she knew she shouldn't be mad at him because it wasn't really his fault. Jake was on vacation and she was so insecure about the first time that they had sex because her mom had always put so much pressure that like you have to be the best at this because like if you're not, you're not going to get a rich husband. And Jake is really popular. And Addie honestly is kind of popular because she's dating Jake, not because she's popular. And she just had all this insecurity so she went on a stroll at the beach and she ran into TJ, Jake's best friend. And they decided, fork it, it's a summer night, let's go get some freaking liquor, underage drink, at the beach and just talk about life, right? And as they're drinking, she said that TJ made her laugh so hard, like harder than Jake had ever made her laugh. And she laughed so hard that whiskey snorted out of her nose. And Jake would have been disgusted by something like that. Like, ew, Addie, get it together. What's wrong with you? What? Oh, do you need a tissue? But instead, TJ looked at her and said, you're so pretty. And that is when she kissed him. And they went back to his beach house because, of course, you got to love rich kids. And they did it. And she thought to herself, well, at least none of it will make it onto Gossip Girl because Simon's dead. So now Simon's memorial was being held at the school at a football field. So there's going to be a memorial and the funeral. And practically everyone is going to the high school memorial. I mean, it's at the school. There's going to be teachers in attendance. And Cooper was on the way there with his parents when he bumped into Leia. So he says, oh, Leia, are you headed to the memorial? Because, you know, it's after hours at school. And she said, what? And the minute that she said what, he knew that he messed up. Because Leia last year had tried to end her life because of Simon. Who's he just, Leia? Just a random girl. Oh. Um, she had tried to end her life because of Simon. He just went in on her about her sleeping with freshmen. She was like a junior at the time. And just would not stop to the point where she was getting death threats. She was being bullied. She was effectively canceled. It got so bad that she went into the bathroom and she slit her wrists and her mom saved her in time. And she was out for the rest of the school year. And it, it was really bad. And she said, you think I'm going to the memorial? Good riddance. No, I'm not. Nobody could even stand the guy anyway. They're all out there holding candles like he's some sort of martyr instead of like a little gossiping douchebag that he is. Cooper was just trying to be PC. You know, he didn't really disagree with Leia. That's true. Simon honestly was not a good person. So he says, I guess they just want to pay their respects. Yeah, hypocrites. That's what you all are. Did you see the latest update? The latest what? The new Tumblr post. You didn't see it? Take a look for yourself.
The Tumblr post started with, to clarify a few things, Simon has a deadly pe peanut allergy. So you're thinking, why didn't I just slip some peanuts into his lunch, maybe into his food, or even to that damn water bottle that carries around everywhere. But Simon is really particular. Have you seen the way that he eats his lunch? That thing is wrapped in cellophane at least 10 times. He's very particular. He loves his water bottle, only drinks out of his water bottle, but it never leaves his sight. But here's the thing that I did notice. When he's drinking from his water bottle, he has to take a sip every 10 seconds. He loves water. All he does is drink water. It's almost like impulsive. So I knew that without that damn thing, he would try to find water elsewhere. He wasn't gonna wait till he gets home like he would with food. So I waited until he got a cup of water and then I put some peanut oil in there. And I chose to do it in detention. I didn't feel bad watching Simon die, but I'm not a sociopath. In that moment, while I watched his face turn purple and watched him wheezed, I knew that if there was something that I could do to stop it, I would have. But I couldn't though. Because you see, I took his EpiPen and every last one in the nurse's office. By that point, it was too late to help. So Cooper says, oh my god. I hope they find out who's writing this stuff, that's sick. So at that point, now it's time for Simon's funeral, which was gonna be held at a local church. A lot of police officers were in attendance. Police officers in uniform, a lot of police officers in plain clothes, and uh, Nate ended up going with his probation officer because his dad wasn't gonna go with him. His probation officer is a woman in her 30s, and she honestly is really nice. Like, she overlooks a lot of things because she knows that Nate is better off in, her ne in his neglectful father's care rather than state care because it's that bad. And um, she goes with him, and every single one of the four are asked by police officers to stop by the station, which is only three blocks away. So Addie goes first, and she sits down, and she's by herself. They bring in a woman from the school administration board, and they say, this is your adult of interest. She's going to be here instead of your parents, because this is not an interrogation. We don't need your parents here. At any moment, you don't have to answer any questions. You can feel free to get up and leave. We're just having a little chat, right, Addie? Sure. Meanwhile, Jake is like texting Addie about how the whole thing is going, like text me if you need a ride. And later she would tell him, she, it seems like Jake doesn't really care about the investigation, nor does she want to tell him about it because she lies to him and says, oh, they weren't even questioning us about Simon. Like the police have no idea what they're doing. They just spend all their time eating donuts. Like that's all we saw. We were laughing because all the Bayview police do is eat donuts. And so they sit down and uh, they say, Addie, we want to show you something. Um, I, here's my thinking, right? I'm Detective Wheeler, by the way, so this is not Officer Hank. I'm Detective Wheeler, and here's my thinking on this whole thing. I think you kids are just way in over your heads. I think that it was a mistake gone wrong, and now there's no ill intent, but you just got, you got carried away. You got overwhelmed, and that's okay. You can tell me. I, I don't know what you're talking about. We didn't do anything. Well, why don't I show you something first? So we were able to log in to the administrator's panel for Simon's website, and there was a post that was due to go live later that day, the day that he died. It was gonna go live after everybody went home from school, and um, just take a read, why don't you? This is the first time that this app has mentioned good girl BR, professor of the school's most perfect academic record. Except she didn't get that A in chemistry class through hard work. Unless you consider stealing from Mr. C's Google Drive hard work. Somebody should call Yale. On the opposite spectrum, we have NM. All he does, what he's best at, is getting all of Bayview high. Shocker there, huh? So outing him for being a drug dealer. 
And then、uh, MLB plus CC equals a whole lot of green, right? Well, maybe not. Have you guys seen his stellar performance? You think that he did that with his natural talent, or do you think that he was enhancing his performance? And AP and JR, the couple madly in love for three years, high school sweethearts. Unless you consider that little summer detour that AR took at TF's house. Even more awkward when you consider the fact that they're best friends. Do you think they compare notes? And that is how the Gossip Girl post ended. Addie felt like she couldn't even breathe. She felt like her world was crumbling down right next to her, and the detective is asking all these questions, and she's just zoning out. And the first thing that she blurts out of her mouth is, "Is it published?" No, he never got the chance to post it. But Addie, that's not the problem. You don't think it's weird that the four of you that he was about to post about that day. Were in detention with him when he died. You guys were the only rooms in the. You guys were the only people in the room. That's not a weird coincidence. Addie, we already analyzed Mr. Avery's glass. We know that the peanut oil was slipped into his cup after he filled it with water. There's no way that it was in there before. There was only six people in that room. Mr. Avery left because of the car accident, and then Simon died. I mean, the four of you had really good reason to want him dead. Do you see where I'm going with this, Addie? This could have been a group decision, yeah, sure, but you don't have to share group responsibility. Do you get what I'm saying? You lied about being at the nurse's office. Did someone tell you to take the epipens? You can tell us. I didn't lie. I I I forgot. Listen, Addie, kids your age are under a lot of pressure all the time. With social media, it feels like you can't even do one thing wrong. Everyone's gonna know about it. It's gonna be there forever, cemented in history. And Addie starts to feel panicked with this social media talk, and she just says. I, I'd like to leave. I'm gonna leave now, Detective Wheeler. Unless you are detaining me, unless you need me, I'm gonna leave. My mom's gonna be worried about me. She said, "Of course, of course." Like I said, I mean, this is not like a interrogation. I don't need you to stay, but just remember, right now I can help you. The minute that you walk out that door, I don't think so, Addie. And I'll bet one of those kids, one of those other three kids in that detention room, they might take my help. And Addie looks at her and says, "I don't need your help." And she rushes out of there and she calls her sister to pick her up. Cooper was also brought in. He was shown the same thing, but he wasn't as panicked as Addie. I mean, he was shocked for sure, and he knew that this looked bad because all four of them were on there before Simon died. But the thing is, he was just relieved that his other secret wasn't being leaked. So he left. Now Brandon's parents—they even—they didn't even let her be questioned. Like you're talking about some very fancy schmancy yell people. They refused. They said absolutely not. You can contact your attorney when you please. And they rush her home. And in the car, they're so pissed. They're just going off. Brandon's parents are like, "Can you believe it? Off of some stupid website gossip rumor, they're gonna be interrogating you, young kids. I mean, we could sue the police department for something like this. This is absolutely outrageous. I mean, imagine." Imagine the tarnishing on your reputation that's taking place just because they're looking at high school gossip. For all I care, I could write a website post right now about some gossip. Mom, it's not like that. Simon never lies. Yeah, but he did this time. Don't worry about it, Brownin. We're gonna hire you an outstanding lawyer, and all of this will be taken care of. It's purely a formality. It'll be a blip on the radar when you're at Yale. But Brandon couldn't take it anymore. Her parents were ranting, and she, she tried to tell him, "I did, though, I did." Brandon, what? What did you just say? I cheated. And they stop the car and they say, "What did you just say?" 
I cheated. I used the lab right after Mr. C and I was, I was, I was failing and I wasn't going to get into Yale and he was still logged in and I opened his Google Drive and he had all the answers to all the chem tests for the rest of the year and so I downloaded it onto a USB and I took it home and I cheated. Her parents were disappointed, but honestly, they're fast thinkers and they said, how would Simon know? Does anybody else know? And she says, I don't know how Simon would know. I'm just so disappointed in you, Brown, and never in a million years would we ever think that you would do something like this. So to give you some background, uh, Brown's dad was one of the youngest CFOs in Silicon Valley's history when uh, he was younger, before he even had Brownin. Uh, Brownin's mom, she has a very successful dermatology practice and she hasn't even been taking new patients for like a decade. That's how successful it is. So they are really, really incredible people. So now they're really pissed off at Brownin. And she says, but I didn't, I didn't, I don't know how. I don't know how he would know something. And you know how this looks. This gives you motive. But I, I promise I didn't do anything. That's not what we're saying. We're just saying, from the outside perspective, this gives you motive. So they immediately say that they're gonna hire an attorney, and they do. Her name is Robin, and she is a high-powered defense, defense attorney, but she is not high-profile. So she's incredibly successful, but she's not high-profile because if you get a high-profile defense attorney, you look like a guilty rich person who's trying to buy their way out into innocence, you know? So they did, they're, they're really smart. They'd be thinking these things. Meanwhile, Nate is the last one to be questioned, and he was there with his probation officer, Mrs. Lopez. And honestly, she was sticking up for him. Like, she was yelling at the police when they got too intense with the questioning, but on the drive home, she told him, I'm not gonna ask about anything they said or that little Gossip Girl post, but I'm telling you right now, Nate, if you touch drugs, if you even go anywhere near it, I can't help you. Nobody can, okay? You already have a record. Like, you're in deep water. It's not a joke. And I would also say, think about this. There's four kids involved, and all of them come from somewhat privileged backgrounds. Maybe they're not doing the best. Maybe they're in debt. Maybe the parents are living paycheck to paycheck, but they're present in their kid's life. And some of them are downright rich and influential like Brownin. You're the obvious outlier, and you could easily become a scapegoat. Am I making myself clear? Be careful. And he walks inside, he drops her off. She drops him off and he walks inside and he's hit with that pungent smell. Not again. And he looks all over the house until he finds it. Wherever his dad threw up and never cleaned up. So now he's scrubbing throw up off the counters and he can't help but think and just remember Brownin's house. It was so white and clean and cozy. What would it feel like to go home to a place like that after being accused of murder? Probably feels better than this, huh? So he hops into his bike and somehow he ends up at Brownin's again. But this time he can't even make it in. Because a man with a padded vest, is that you? A man with a padded vest walks outside and says, I'm Javier Rojas, I'm Brownin's father. You can't really be here right now, sir. Is Brownin home? You can't be here and I'm sure you don't want police involvement any more than we do. So I'm sorry, but you're gonna have to leave. There was no conversation, it was very matter of fact. Nate had no choice, he had to leave. The next day at school, Brandon meets up with Nate in the stairwell and it's empty and she says, I'm so sorry, I saw you outside the window but my parents would not let me downstairs. The attorney that we got says that I'm not allowed to talk to any of you guys that were in detention so I, I couldn't go outside. Are you okay? Did they question you too? And Nate says, yeah, not only did they question me, they actually came and searched my house today. So 
I'm assuming they didn't search your house? No. It's fine, but here. And he gives her a flip phone and says, It's new. Nobody has the number and it's not traceable. So I can call you if you want to talk. And she says, yeah, okay, call me. So she takes the burner phone. Meanwhile, Addie knew what she had to do. She had to tell Jake because the police were probably going to use this against her. They were probably going to put heat on her by telling Jake. That's what her older sister told her, the one with the attorney husband. So her sister's like, you got to fess up before it gets leaked, before the other kids leak it, before the police themselves freaking leak it. You got to tell Jake. I will wait outside his house and you call me if you need anything. The holiday season was hectic. I am gonna be honest with you, I was not taking care of myself. I was really busy with family stuff and all these other things, but now that it's kind of slowed down, I really want to take care of my face and my body because when I do those things, I find that it's so rewarding. Like you just feel like you're investing in yourself. So motivational. <laughs> and one brand that I recommend if you guys are on this journey with me is Osea. They make products that are clean, vegan, that are good for your skin, but also the planet for the past 25 years. I would like to say that Osea is truly like a pioneer in the clean beauty, clean skincare world. They have award-winning serums, body creams, moisturizers, body treatments. I have a deep-rooted obsession for their body oil, which if you guys know me, I hate body oil. I feel like I just rubbed cooking oil all over my body and it feels gunky and gross, but their body oil is formulated with seaweed, with acai, with passion fruit. And when I tell you, I get out of the shower at night, right before I sleep, I rub this body oil all over my bod and when I hop into bed I normally hate even moisturizer before bed because I don't like that sticky feeling in the blanket but it just absorbs so well into the skin that you're left with this like supple glowy skin I don't think that I've ever had softer legs since I started using this body oil and it does not leave your skin feeling greasy at all I also love their hyaluronic C serum because it comes in this amazing packaging I find that when I put it on when my skin is a little bit damp I just wake up with like glowy skin the next day join me this year to glow up no literally your skin will be glowing <laughs> start fresh with clean vegan skincare and body care from our friends at osea get 10 percent off your entire order when you guys use code bam b-a-m at oseamalibu.com you also get free samples with every order and orders over 50 dollars get free shipping now is the time to make those small changes that make big differences in your day-to-day -day. head over to oseamalibu.com and use promo code bam to get 10 percent off your entire first order so they drive over to Jake's place and she meets him in the basement and he he's so worried about her. Jake is like, are you okay? I heard you were questioned again. What happened? And she says, it's fine. But the police think that we murdered him together, all four of us. What? That's insane. They think that we poisoned him. Well, that's just freaking ludicrous, okay? Because he was going to write a blog post about us. And there's something about me on there that's true. And I have to tell you. At the end of the school year, when you were on vacation, I slept with TJ. We ended up getting drunk together and I went to his house and we slept together. And at this point, she's sobbing. She's saying, I'm so sorry, like we slept together, but it didn't mean anything and I would take it back and I would never want to hurt you. And you just see Jake's whole face and demeanor change and he says, oh, you're sorry. That's great then. That's all right, as long as you're fucking sorry. And she says, I really am. But before she can even say anything, he jumps up from his little beanbag and he punches a hole in the wall. And then another oh one. You guys know God. what they say about hole punchers in the wall. Red flag. Red flag. 
You did punch a hole in the wall by doing a headstand, no? Yeah, my butt punched. <laughs> yeah, bigger red flag. <laughs> Your butt punched a hole, yeah. bruh. <laughs> and he says, "Fuck you, Addy. Like you're sorry that you screwed my friend, and then you didn't tell me for months, and we've been sleeping together, and you've been acting like we've been in love, and all you have to say is you're sorry. What the hell is wrong with you? I treated you amazing." Jake's hand is covered in blood, and he said, "Get out. I can't stand the sight of you. Get the fuck out of my house." And she rushes upstairs, and her sister is waiting outside for her. And she gets in the car, and they go home. At school the next day, uh, word had gotten out, and word starts getting around to what happened because mainly Jake had ran into TJ and punched him in the face, and he got escorted out of the house or escorted out of the school. Addie was sobbing, and Jake refused to even look at her, and she kept trying to talk to him. So people started putting two and two together that Addie probably slept with Jake's best friend, and suddenly nobody wanted to be Addie's friend. None of her friends. Addie quickly found out that the only reason she was popular was. Because she was dating Jake, and not because she herself was popular. So she freaks out. Addie rushes to her locker, and she sees her former friends smirking nearby. And she looks, and it just says in big letters across her locker. So she makes it a point to walk to the nearest bathroom. She doesn't want to run. She walks to the nearest bathroom, and she starts sobbing in the stall. But it doesn't even get better then, because girls walk in and they start talking about. Did you hear what Addie did? What a What's wrong with her? I would never cheat on Jake. I guess one of us is gonna get lucky with Jake next. Oh my god! Yeah. This school is brutal. It's brutal. Okay. Meanwhile, Brownin's sitting at lunch with her sister, and she says, "Brownin, did you see the newest post?" And she pulls up the Tumblr, and it's Simon's unpublished post about the four kids, but with an added note. Did you think that I was kidding about killing Simon? Read it and weep, kids. Everybody in detention that day had an extra special reason to be there. Do you think that everybody was in on it together, or is someone pulling the strings? Who's the puppet master and who's the puppet? I'll give you a hint, though. Everybody is lying. Everybody starts whispering, but they're interrupted by attention, please. Would Cooper, Clay, Nate, Adelaide, and Brownin please come to the main office immediately? Is this is this how pretty little liar is like? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> so the principal uh, pretty much sits them down and is like, "Okay, well, if you want to say something to me, now is the time to say something to me because we think that something happened, and like you don't think that we have Tumblr? You think that we're like broom- boomers? We got Tumblr, bitch!" And before they can even say anything, the phone rings and the principal is escorted out of the room to pick up that call. It's the Bayview Police Department. So the kids are alone and they start talking. This is unreal. You think that they actually suspect us? This is crazy. I mean, what if someone slipped into the class when we were all outside looking at the? Not when we were outside, but what if someone slipped into the class while we were all at the window looking at the car accident? You don't think someone could have slipped in by then? No, there was like 0.2 seconds. How could someone slip into the class? And then how would they even know that that's Simon's water? And how would they just assume that Simon would have gotten a cup full of water? It just doesn't make any sense. But. W- I mean, there's plenty of people who want him dead. Like, remember Aiden, the guy that switched schools because of him, and like Leia. You ran into Leia, didn't you, Cooper? Yeah, she was pissed. She said we're all hypocrites for treating him like a martyr. That he was just a gossiping douchebag. And honestly, good riddance. Honestly, at this point, I think the whole school was walking around with just jars of peanut oil in their backpack, ready to strike. Why would it be us? But it can't be any peanut oil, Addie says. It's got to be the gourmet type, like cold pressed. Otherwise, regular peanut oil—it doesn't give someone with a peanut allergy a reaction. How the hell do you know that, Addie? 
I saw it on Food Network. I mean, just why won't the police look into the phone thing? Has anybody talked to the police about the phone thing? Did they ever bring it up? Like, you don't think it's weird that we all had phones planted? What if Mr. Avery planted it himself? He would know how to put peanut oil into water and get an allergic reaction. He had control over this classroom. What if it was the teacher? But why would he want Simon dead? That doesn't even make sense. And at that point, the principal comes in and says that they're dismissed because she's got a meeting with the police. And so Cooper goes home to his grandma, who is paying for his attorney. So his parents are in debt, and uh, they've decided to buy a McMansion instead of, I don't know, save up for anything. So his grandma, his nana, is like the one paying for everything. And his parents are just betting on him becoming a very successful baseball player so they can use all that money. Yeah, wow. uh-huh. So she says, well, I got you an attorney. You're going to be fine. I know you would never do something like this. But how's, how's Keely handling it? I'm sure it's hard for her, too, with all the rumors going on. She's a beautiful, sweet girl. Yeah, I know. It's just she won't leave me alone since this thing started. I don't know about that, Cooper. I'm there, you know? I see your face when she calls you. You look like you want to escape that call. You look miserable. And then somebody else calls, and I don't know who it is. But you, your face just lights up like a Christmas tree. I don't know what's holding you back. But I think Keely is not the girl that you love. And it's not fair to you, and it's not fair to her. So he ends up taking his grandma's advice, and he ends up breaking up with Keely. And she's just shocked the entire time. She's like, is it because of the investigation? Because I don't care. They could question me all they want, Cooper. I'm on your side. Besides, you think some doping rumors are going to get to me? I don't think you're on steroids. You get drug tested every single week. They're just jealous that you're good at baseball. I don't care. He's like, that's not why. Is it the Vanessa thing? Did Vanessa tell you what happened? What? No, she didn't tell me anything. You're not curious at what Vanessa might have told you? Um, I guess. You don't even care. You literally don't even care. You don't even care what Vanessa would have said. What Vanessa would have said about me. You don't even care. Really? And she's so mad. And he's like, okay, tell me what Vanessa said. I hooked up with Nate. A week before we started dating, I hooked up with Nate at a party. Okay. And then you asked me out a couple weeks later, and I said yes. Okay. And you don't even care? Jeez, you never cared. Was I just an accessory for you? Safe to say, she did not take the breakup easily, and they part ways. Meanwhile, Maeve is the only one pulling through on this investigation, okay? She was able to get a library card, not Who? under... Maeve, this is Brandon's little sister. She was uh. able to get a library card, not under her name, but she goes into the public library, and she hacks into Simon's blog somehow. I don't know how she does it, but she does it. And she tells Brandon that there's some encrypted files on his little website. She's going to download them and try to get through to him, but she's not sure. But there's some else. His username onto that website is called Anarchist, right? Which she kind of ran it through Google and she found out that this person is really heavily involved on 4chan threads. She was able to cross check and make sure that it was Simon. He talked about Bayview, he talked about other things, he even talked about his website at one point. So it's very clear that this 4chan user is Simon, same username. And there's some strange stuff on there. He really only frequented threads about school shooters. And not the ones like true crime, but the ones where they were praising them. And so the sisters are reading through them and uh, they're interrupted by the news. 
It's like ABC's 2020, but a guy by the name of Mikhail Powers. He's like got this little true crime segment, and he's like the number one at it. He's the best at it. And even uh, Brownin's parents are sitting down and watching it. He dubbed the four high schoolers the Bayview Four. And once this hits, this case goes viral. All these people start getting involved, people start voicing their opinions, and honestly, the world is sexist because Cooper and Nate, they end up getting fan pages made about them because they're so hot. Meanwhile, everybody thinks Addie and Brownin are manipulative whores. So that's great. Meanwhile, the police are on to another suspect, not the Bayview Four, but one of their siblings. They bring in Maeve and Brownin and their attorney. So 18 months before Simon died, he had made a post about Maeve. So Maeve had finally been cured of all of her illnesses and um, she went to a party for the first time. Now, at this party, she had a crush and she just got drunk. This is like her first time ever being out. She was so excited. She got drunk and started dancing on tables. Simon made so much fun of her and said, how embarrassing. And what? just was taking jabs at her, even though for the first time in her life, she was trying to have fun. And so ever since then, Maeve retreated even more from the social light and she stopped hanging out with friends. She stopped going to parties. She became more of a hermit. This gives Brownin more motive. You must have really hated him. I mean, your sister had leukemia and now here he is making fun of her the minute that she's finally acting like a teenager again. I mean, that would build resentment for anybody, huh? But that's, that's not all, Brownin. Here, scroll down a little bit. Your email address was used to comment this. Fuck off and die, Simon. And at the same time, Cooper is at the gym with his best friend. Reporters are following him to the gym. I mean, it's crazy. His best friend Louise is like, okay, you need to just, uh, I guess it's Louis, right? His best friend Louis is like, you need to change clothes with me. Take my baseball cap and I'll take yours. You take my car, I'll take your car. Maybe if I rush out there with your hat over my head, they'll think I'm you. They'll follow me for a while. I'll lose them and then you can go do whatever you want. So he's like a good friend. So they swap clothes because they had just walked into the gym and he runs out pretending to be Cooper and the ruse works. The reporters follow him in Cooper's car. Meanwhile, Cooper gets into Louisa's car and this is like the first time that he finally feels free. Nobody's chasing him because they don't even know that he's Cooper, right? Mm -hmm. So instead of going home, he decides to drive to a local apartment complex and he rushes up to the top floor and he knocks on the door. And uh, it's a guy named Chris. He says, what are you doing here? And Cooper starts making out with him. So Cooper's other secret is that yes, Cooper is gay. He's always tried to suppress his sexuality, but ever since he met Chris, he just couldn't help it. It's not that Cooper was ashamed of being gay. He just knew what he wanted in life, which was to be an MLB star. It has nothing to do with him being ashamed or shy or anything. It's just about his baseball career. And well, Cooper's dad. Cooper's dad still calls gay men homophobic slurs. He also says things like, there was news about a gay man in the MLB and his dad would say, God, I feel so bad for the guys in the locker room with him. They must feel so uncomfortable to deal with that type of crap. His dad believes that gay men spend every waking hour not doing normal people things, but just like hitting on straight men. <laughs> That's what he thinks like their whole purpose in life is, which... Cool, where are you getting this information, you weirdo? So uh, yeah, that's why he's hiding the fact that he's gay. On the other side of the relationship spectrum, we've got Nate and Brownin who are going strong, they're making out, they're watching movies at night on her burner phone, so they both play Netflix while they're on the phone, and it's like really cute, and then he has these moments of weakness where he's like, why would someone like you wanna be like with me? And like once this thing is over, you're not gonna wanna be with me anymore because we're not gonna connect on any level. Like you're just finding comfort in me right now, but we're in different worlds. 
Meanwhile, Annie is miserable because nobody likes her. She has no friends, and she's spending all of her time in the bathroom crying, and her mascara is running. One friend that she kind of makes, well, just a crying buddy, is Janae. Janae was Simon's best friend before he died, and she too has been spending every waking class in the bathroom crying, sobbing her eyes out. And Addie approaches her and says, "Listen, I know that you don't like me, and with everything going on and what everybody's saying." With good reason, but I just want to say that I would never have hurt Simon. And if you need someone to talk, I'm here for you. And she says, "You've never talked to me, Addie." I guess, I guess I haven't. Until you lost your friends, huh? I guess that's true, but I didn't know it bothered you that I've never talked to you. And slowly they just start developing a friendship. Janae even asks if she can come over one day to talk, and Addie says yes. Not because she thinks that they're friends, but mainly because she thinks it'll be hilarious to see her mom's reaction. Janae wears head to toe black. She has tons of earrings. She's like a punk girl, and Addie's friends are preppy jocks and cheerleaders. So she could not wait. Janae comes over. She's upstairs, and she's like, "Do you want something to drink?" And Janae's like, "Sure. Could I get some water?" And、uh, in that moment, as she's walking downstairs, she texts Brown and, "Hey, come over. Janae's over. Like we can all." Talk. We can all chit chat. It's been rough, and Brandon doesn't respond. And in the kitchen, Addie runs into her mom, who gives her a 15-minute lecture about the type of friends you need to make, about how you need to have good influences in your life, blah 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 blah. And、uh, the minute that she's done, she grabs the water and is about to head back upstairs, but Janae is already coming down, and she says, "Hey,、um, I actually suddenly feel sick. I gotta go." And she leaves. And Addie gets a text message from Brandon: "Can't come over." But be careful. I don't trust her. She was alone in her room. <gasps> Then the police call in Cooper to the police station. Just Cooper this time, because they want to show him something. There was an entry that was deleted off of Simon's blog post, and it was a.、Uh, Everybody wants a piece of Cooper. Everybody wants a piece of CC. Even Keely. But he's got Keely, right? But I'm sure any guy would be tempted. Rumor has it he slept with a German underwear model. But instead of thongs and bras, he models boxers. I guess she can't win if she's playing for the wrong team. How does he know everything? Yeah. yeah. And the police say, "Is this true, Cooper?" And his attorney says, "Cooper, you don't have to respond to anything. This is not a crime. Being gay is not a crime, and this post proves nothing. So, unless you have a question, we'll be leaving now." And they say, "Well, don't you think it's strange? Did you know his original post for what was going to happen on Monday was about you being gay and not about you doing steroids? So maybe you were trying to kill him before that secret got out. I mean, it's odd that he would swap something like that because this seems to be more of his style, more juicy, don't you think? But even then, his attorney tells him to shut up. So Cooper is sent home, and、um, Cooper knows. He knows that this is going to get out, just like Addie's secret. Everything's going to get out. So he goes home and he sits his parents down." And they're curious. What did they say, Cooper? What did they say this time? Is it another stupid rumor about you doping? Because that's not true. You're taking drug tests every single week. Your performance has not gone down at all. If anything, it got better since you started taking drug tests. So how do you explain that? And he says, "That's not. That's not what they." Simon somehow found out that I'm gay, and Cooper's dad laughs out loud. Like really laughs out loud and says, "Jesus, Cooper, really had me there for a minute. Seriously, what happened?" And、oh、Cooper's、God. mom is like, "I don't think he's joking. Of course he is. Of course you're joking, Coops. Right? You're joking, right? No, I'm not. 
The next day, Cooper was not wrong. All the secret was out and everybody was making fun of him. They were making jokes. Keely was pissed because now she was being made fun of. People threw condoms at Cooper. They threw up. What kind of school is this? They would walk by him and say, you like doing it in the butt, huh, bro? Oh my God. Yeah. And then Nate was the only one that stood up next to Cooper and said, who the f*** cares? Get a life. And Vanessa, the one that wrote on uh, Addie's locker room, she stands up and she says, are you his boyfriend or something? And everyone bursts into laughter. It's not even that funny, right? So Nate walks up to Vanessa in front of everyone and says, really? Because I didn't even know your name when you tried to kiss me at my party a couple months ago. And oh, what is that you tried to do? You tried to stick your hand down my pants? In fact, is there any guy here that you haven't tried to do that with? Because I'd like to meet him. Everyone starts laughing and shh, ooh, and then uh, one really nerdy kid stands up and says, Me? Me? <laughs> there you go, Vanessa, make it happen. And he walks away. Now Nate sits down and Brownon gives him a full-on kiss on the lips in front of everyone. And at this point, nobody gives a fork that Cooper's gay anymore because, are you kidding me? Valedictorian is dating drug dealer? What the fork is happening to this world? Are we in a parallel universe? Have the t- Where is Mercury? Is it in retrograde? Because what's happening? In the next couple of days, Bayview 4 is featured back on Mikhail Powers' show, and this time he's pissed. The first one got them a lot of negative attention, but this one got them a lot of good attention because Mikhail Powers, the host of the true crime show, is gay himself, and he believes that the police department essentially forced Cooper's hand and outed a high schooler, which is unacceptable. I mean, this is literally, these kids are being bullied. Do the police have anything on these kids other than rumors or their sexual orientation? Because it seems not. They also did a segment talking to Leia as well as Aiden and all the other people that Simon bullied to show, see, there are a lot of kids with motive. So why are we focusing on the Bayview 4? At the end of all of this, people were left with two people that they hated. The main public enemy number one was the Bayview Police Department, and public enemy number two, oddly, was Simon. People started signing change.org petitions to drop the investigation. Cooper was now a saint. Originally, when he came out as gay, um, people, like all these college scouts, they stopped scouting him. But now every single one of them was trying to get back him onto the team. So everything seems to be going well. Well, Saturday hits and uh, Brownin is woken up by her sister who says, Brownin, you need to come downstairs right now. And she rushes down and on TV, you see Nate being arrested from his house. An arrest has been made in connection with the Simon Kelleher case. One of the Bayview 4 students has been formally charged and arrested. Brownon starts freaking out. She knows that Nate is innocent, so she doesn't know what to do. All she can think about is calling her attorney to get another attorney. And then she remembered that there was this, um, this charity that was called Until Proven. And it was essentially pro bono attorneys that were, you know, less overworked, I guess, than, than maybe public defenders. And maybe they could help with the case. So she calls one of them and is like, I need your help. Please, 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 please. And he says, I am overworked. I saw this case online. I'm sympathetic to you guys in the Bayview 4, but I don't think I can take on another case. And she says, please, can you just meet me once? And uh, she ends up telling her mom because she knows her mom has to go with her. And she tells her mom that her and Nate are dating. And her mom honestly takes it really well. Like she was not being one of those privileged, annoying women that were like, oh my God, no, you can only date Ivy League and only marry someone who's as rich as us, right? She was like, wow. You should have told me all of this. There's a lot that I don't know. But they end up going to the lawyer's office and they actually meet Nate's mom there. So you're probably thinking Nate's mom died in a car accident, right? 
She's not dead. He told everyone she died because it's just easier that way. But she actually came back into the picture recently, and Brandon was shocked too, because Brandon thought that she died in a car accident, but um, she wasn't. So they all meet with Eli, the attorney, and he tells them that this is just a hard case. What do you have so far? And she says, well, the police, they got an anonymous tip that he was selling drugs out of his locker. So the school administrators went into his locker and um, they opened it up. They didn't find any drugs, but they found Simon's water bottle and all the EpiPens from the nurse's office in his locker. What? And Brandon is like, yeah, that's so dumb because why would he ever leave all of that in his locker if he was guilty? Think about it. There's no way he's guilty. This is a setup. And then immediately after... The police came and searched our house and um, they found a journal of all the Tumblr posts rewritten and some new ones that were going to be posted. The ones that said, I killed Simon because I watched Dateline, things like that. Were there any fingerprints or forensic evidence? No, no fingerprints on any of them. Well, that's convenient, don't you think? Uh, is your house really secure? Is it always locked? What about his locker? I know lockers are pretty easy to get into, especially for high school kids, but what, what about uh, the house? I, I don't remember the last time we had a lock on the house. We never lock the house. And uh, there's something else. The DA thinks that Nate is too dangerous for Juvie. They want to transfer him to adult prison. And Eli sighs and says, Brownon, this is all your fault, because now I have to take this case. And I have to kick you and your mom out because you guys are represented by someone else. And Brandon the, says, the yes. lawyer is touched. Brandon's like, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. And she rushes out of there with her mom. And now they just need to get to the bottom of this. So the Bayview three now, they're left to find out how to get Nate out of prison. And the one thing that they can think about are the car accidents. The timing was too perfect. They were so preoccupied with the car accident that they didn't even know if someone walked in. I mean, they must know something. But they never saw those car again in the parking lot. So all they can think about is going through the Tumblr post again and tracking down that, that red Camaro. They actually were able to track down the red Camaro that was in the schoolyard, like the school accident, and we're gonna get into that in a little bit. But first, they go through the Tumblr post. All three of them had stopped reading because it was just got too stressful and too toxic. But they now, they needed to study it because are you sure that this is Nate writing them? That's what the police is saying, that Nate wrote these Tumblr posts. So they catch up, and then the next one is talking about how the four of them sat in the interrogation room and how they watched the police shove their mouths with donuts. Shove their mouth with donuts. Oh my god. And Cooper god. and Brandon are like, that's not even true. And I don't think I was even with Nate in the interrogation room. And Addie looks at them and says, it's not true. But I told Jake it was. What? Meanwhile, Brownon goes to confront the guy that was driving the red Camaro. He was actually another high school student at a neighboring high school. She shows up and he drives up in his red Camaro and she's like, hey, hey, oh, aren't you that girl on TV? One of the Bayview Four or whatever? Yeah, I'm Brownon. What are you doing at our school? I just was waiting for someone. Oh, okay, cool. And he starts walking away and she says, I was waiting for you. I know that you were in an accident at our school the day that Simon died. He looks at her and he looks around and he jumps into her car and he says, that never happened. <sighs> okay, fine, it's it. But I wanted to say something when the police started getting involved, but I, I just didn't know what to say. And I didn't think it was that big of a deal. <sighs> Technically, I didn't do anything wrong. Some guy paid us, me and my friend. 
$1,000 each to get into an accident. I went to a repair shop and it was only $500 to fix my car, so we pocketed $500 each. Do you, do you know who? Do you, do you know their name or what they look like? Did, did he have brown hair and blue eyes? Yeah. Was his name Jake? Here, look at his picture. And she shows him a picture of Jake and he says, no, it wasn't him. It was actually someone closer to the case. Oh God, don't say it's Nate. It was Simon Kelleher. Simon himself? Simon himself. But what? why would he? Listen, I don't know, but that's all I know. He paid us $1,000 each. Meanwhile, the murder club, they meet up again and uh, they don't know what to do, but they do know that they have to get Nate out of prison because he's innocent. So they start writing on post-it notes, everything that they do know, which is that Simon had a blog. You know, Simon was depressed. Simon uh, hated, hated Nate, I guess, because maybe he really liked Keeley. So Simon really liked Keeley too. Who didn't in that school? Did Simon hate Cooper though? No, there was no reason. Maybe he hated Cooper because Keeley was dating Cooper. Why would Simon hate Brownin though? None of this makes sense. They're just trying to connect the dots. Do you think maybe Janae was obsessed with Simon and wanted to be more than best friends, but he rejected her and so she killed him? But why would she frame us? Well, because I guess somebody's gotta go down for it. But that doesn't seem like something she would do, right? I don't know, she was suspicious at Addie's house last time she went. So they keep thinking and they get nowhere until, until they decide maybe Jake has something to do with this, but why would Jake want to kill Simon? I mean, they're so confused. Addie believes that Jake could never kill Simon. That just doesn't make any sense. So they come down to the fact that all they know for a fact is that Simon had a block, Simon was depressed, and his best friend Janae was depressed. And then Maeve moves around the post-its and she ends up with, Simon is depressed, Simon is dead. They go back to his 4chan posts and he talks about how he'd like to take people down with him. The mentality of a lot of school shooters. So Addie, she rushes away from this meeting, just upset that everybody is accusing Jake. Even though she cheated on him, she feels like he's innocent. But as she's driving away, she can't help but wonder and think because that day, right before chem class, Jake had asked to hold her backpack, which he never does. But he said, Addie, that's too heavy for you. Like, let me hold it. I'll be your man. And then soon after, a phone was found in her backpack. Are you kidding me? So she rushes to Janae's house and she slams on the door. Like, what were you doing in my house for 15 minutes? But when Janae opens it, She's completely all bone. Her eyes are sunken in. She's like this purplish color. She's got hives all over her body. And she's like, oh my God, what, what happened? It's only been like a few weeks. What's going on? And Janae says, nothing. Why are you here? Simon killed himself, didn't he? How did you know? Addie wasn't supposed to, but she told him, she told Janae everything. And Janae rushes up the stairs and she spends about 15 minutes there until she gets back and it's a stack of papers. This is his manifesto. It's supposed to be sent to the police a year from now when all of you guys are in prison because he still wanted everyone to know what he got away with. She starts reading it. Here's the first thing that you should know about my life. I hate my life and everything in it. I decided to get the hell out, but I don't wanna go quietly. I wanna be more creative. School shootings, people have been doing that. It's overdone. I wanna do something that takes brains, something that takes thought, something that no loser can replicate. She stops reading and she says, why, Janae, why? Simon felt like he deserved more attention and respect than he got, you know? He got really bitter about it this year. 
he was talking about how he wanted revenge and he started obsessing over it and talking to people online all day about how to get that revenge and just creepy stuff. He hated all of you. He hated Brownin because Simon wanted to be valedictorian, but Brownin beat him by a mile. And on top of that, she was cheating. It's like, even if she failed chemistry, she would still be valedictorian. Why did she feel the need to cheat? He hated Nate because Nate didn't even care about Keely, but Keely wanted to hook up with Nate. And Simon was at that party and he saw everything. And he really wanted to be with Keely. What about Cooper? Cooper, because he was dating Keely? No. Mr. Nice Guy, Cooper decided that he wasn't allowed to go to any of Vanessa's parties anymore. I don't know why and I don't know how, but Vanessa stopped inviting him and he was really upset about that. And uh, afterwards, he decided he needed people to help execute the plan and he got Jake involved because I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do the Tumblr posts. Jake? He also sent you to the nurse's office to get Tylenol that day, didn't he? He did. He wanted you to rot in prison, you know? Simon came up to him and told him everything about TJ. He knew for months. He knew before what? Simon died. He was playing the long game. He wanted you to go down. But Jake knew for all these months and we went to the beach and we went on these dates. We slept together and he knew that I, I had slept with TJ? Yeah. And he wanted you to be the one in prison. But, oh my God. but I'm not. Nate's the one in prison. How did that happen? Did he change his mind? No, the, everything unfolded just the way that Simon wanted it to, but when I was at your house, I was supposed to plant the journal and the EpiPens. I couldn't do it. Why? I didn't like you, but you were the only one that asked me how I was feeling. And you checked up on me in the bathroom. Aww. And nobody else did. And it, it didn't matter that you lost all your friends and that's why you did it, but you still did. So, I couldn't do it. And I couldn't not do it because Jake was threatening me. So I knew that Nate was the easy one. He doesn't even lock his doors. But why can't you just turn in Jake and get this over with? Like, we need to get justice. We need to get Nate out of prison. I can't. There is a recording of me and Simon talking about the plan. And Jake said that he would give it to the police and say that I was the one doing the Tumblr post. He's going to throw everything on me and say that he just stumbled across this audio recording. So the doorbell rings and it's Jake. So now Addy starts panicking and he says, okay, well, we'll just play Jake at his game. So jo Janae said that uh, anytime Jake comes in, he will take her phone before they talk. So she says, fine, I'll hide in the closet and I'll record on my phone. So just get him to admit that he's part of the plan and we can go to the cops. So she hides in the closet and she's recording. And Janae is getting all the information that she needs. She's like, we need to stop now. Nate is innocent and you know it and we need to get him out of prison. And he says, no, we fucking can't stop now. That's going to put both of us at risk. And guess what? Who wanted Nate in prison? Not me. That was all you. I wanted Addy to go down for this. By the way, I that up. Now she's going to get away from all of this with no consequences. She's not even going to go to prison. So I have an idea. But at that moment, rule number one of recording people in private had failed. And Addie's phone rang. And she set her ringtone to Rihanna. And freaking he knew it. Everybody knew it. And so he screams, what the hell, Addie? And she jumps out of the closet, runs past him out the house and into Janae's backyard, which was heavily wooded, by the way. And she starts running. It's one of those cliche horror movies where she snaps on twigs and Jake the athlete is just 
and booking it after her. And of course, the crunching gets louder and louder and louder, and then he slams her down onto the ground, and he starts choking her. Her skull was bleeding. She was bleeding from the head. She's, you know, seeing stars, and she keeps trying to get free, and he says, come here, you little bitch. Like, you did this to yourself, and he's slapping her across the face while he's choking her. And then Janelle sneaks up behind him, trying to hit him, but he catches on, and he punches her in the face, breaking her jaw. Goes back to choking Addie, and right before she dies, he says, I couldn't, co- I couldn't put you in prison, but this is good enough. But just as she's about to lose consciousness, Jake gets body slammed onto the ground by Cooper Clay. They call the police, and the sirens come, and they pick up Jake. They play the whole audio recording. They show all the proof, and uh, Nate is released from prison. Janae gets a plea deal to testify against Jake. Jake is uh, facing charges for, like, obstructing justice, harassment, attempted murder of Addie, all of that. Meanwhile, the Bayview Four, they move on with their lives. Cooper is now an even bigger hero. He saved Addie and Janae, and all of the baseball teams want him. He gets a full scholarship, and he starts being recruited by the major leagues. Then we have Brownin, who retakes the chemistry class and passes on her own free will. She gets accepted into Yale. Nate gets a construction job, and they are still dating. They briefly broke up because he was like, I don't know what you see in me, and after this investigation, we're not going to have anything in common. But she said, no, I like you, and I like your horrible taste in movies. And Addie was asked out by TJ, who she really, really did want to get to know because he was the only one that stuck by her when she was getting bullied. But she decided to take a year for herself, to find herself first. What happened to Jake? Jake's in prison, yeah. And that is the story of One of Us is Lying. There's actually another book called One of Us is Next, and uh, that one is a whole set of new characters, but at Bayview High School. Same author? Yeah, One of Us is Next. Wow. Yeah. I feel like I just watched one of those. The series, like (laughs) Pretty Little Liars. I think so too. It was intense. The book is really good. I highly recommend picking it up. I mean, it is like one of the most famous books recently in the YA thriller genre. This is one of like the most read recently and I can see why. So they made a show out of this? Yes, it's on Peacock. I think it has like 10 episodes already. Which I think would be interesting to watch the show. I really think so. But I think the book is always better than the show, and the book is always better than this video, so go pick up a book. I, I loved it. I Who did you think it was? In I the thought middle? it was Cooper. Because Cooper, they why? kept saying, like, oh, but he has another secret. Mm. Everybody else's secrets were out in the open, so I was like, man, what's Cooper's other secret, right? Mm. And then and then I was like, okay, no, it can't be Cooper. What if it's Brownin? Mm. I thought it was the chem teacher. Why? Oh, maybe he had something on the chem teacher. Because obviously I was thinking it can't be the four because that's yeah. that would be too easy of a plot yeah. plot twist. But then you keep saying the chem teacher hates technology mm. and he runs <gasps> like a, a technology, a blog. So the chem teacher hates and hates and hates this hatred and towards technology. it's ruining tech. the world. Right. It's freaking weird. Why is, does he have, I didn't know why he hates technology so mm-hmm. much. It makes sense that he can slit, uh, slide phones yeah. into their book bag. Yeah. And then he will be, probably be the one that, to find out that she stole the answer. Mm, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So I, I, in the midway through, I was like, oh, it's gotta, it's gotta be, be the, the teacher. teacher. And then it was Simon. 
Yeah, I didn't see that coming. Yeah, me. Either. I didn't see Jake either. Yeah, I didn't see Jake coming either. And this school is um, brutal. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. I hope there's no school that's actually they're this brutal. They're all like that. Oh, they're all like that. Bruh. Bruh, they're <laughs> is, all like this that. This is crazy. Yeah. I'm glad I didn't speak English when I was yeah. in high school. So. He was having a blast in high school. He said. <laughs> I wasn't he having said, a blast. I was he a- said everybody was so nice to me because I didn't speak English. <laughs> and I was like, were they being nice to you or were you getting bullied? Because I tell you, it's cutthroat. It's cutthroat. But I hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode of Bacon a Mystery. I'm gonna try to be here every single week for you guys with Bam. This book was intense. Every other week, maybe. You don't okay, like anyways. this. You don't like sitting next to me and hearing about a bam. You don't even like it. Is that what you got some complaints with your s'mores toast that you devoured? <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed, and I will see you guys next week. I'll see you tomorrow with a different video. Bye. Uh-